Good morning. Good morning, Rabotai. Welcome to breakfast in the class. Uh, you can tell that we have a problem here at breakfast in the class because behind me I have a bar. So if we're drinking at this early in the morning, it must be difficult problems. I don't know what people have problems with. We're, we're saying Yehishem. We're finishing pretty fast. Maybe they're worried about the Nisim. I'm not sure. But uh, welcome to Breakfast in the Class. Breakfast in the Class today is dedicated in loving memory of Alfred Haber. Alava Shalom. Lilunishmat Alfred Ben Miriam. Sponsored anonymously. As well, loving memory of Nazira Ajmi. Alea Shalom. Lilunishmat Nazira Bad Rosa. Sponsored by the Ajmi family. And the week of Kobru is sponsored by none other than David E. Ash in honor of you and your substantial capacity to do good today and every day. My friends, I want to read you a beautiful pasuk. The pasuk says, And the one who is becoming pure. We're in the aftermath of the person being identified as a mitzorah. A person, by the way, who's locked up for being a mitzorah can be there for quite some time until it goes away. So we're familiar with the checking process, a week, two weeks, but what happens if it stays with him? The person doesn't do teshuvah. It takes a long time for him to do teshuvah. The guy is stuck by himself all this time. So finally, after all this time is gone, and he's tahor again, part of the process of tahara requires a sacrifice. And what's the korban that he brings? This person who's seeking to become tahor, he needs shtet tziporim, tziporim, he needs two birds, chayot, tehorot, that are, uh, that are alive and that are tahor. And what do we do with these two birds, my friends? One of the birds, vishahat et tzipor hayachat. One of the, the birds is brought as a sacrifice in the temple in the Beit HaMikdash. And what do we do with the second bird? Anyone know? We send the second bird to, for freedom to go in the pastures. We send it in the fields. See you later. Sayonara, like they say. The commentators ask a fantastic question. What is the purpose of trapping, of buying two birds to have one be a korban and the other one you're going to free anyway? You caught the bird, now you're releasing the bird? What was the point? Just let it fly free the whole time. You have to catch it, release it. What's the point of this catch and release? Magnificent question. So the answer is a beautiful lesson for the way we live our lives and as well ties into uh, the upcoming holiday of Pesach, which Be'ezat Hashem will be learning more about as we get closer and closer to the holiday. The Pasuk tells us something unbelievable. The Gemara, excuse me. What is the work of a person in this world? What is his umanut? Umanut doesn't only mean a, a job. It means a skill, a trade. Someone who's an uman, right, is someone who is uh, an expert in their field. So if someone is a master violinist, you'd call him, that's called umanut. If a person uh, knows how to be able to do beautiful or, you know, work with sculpting, right? He's an uman. That is the art, uh, an artist, a creative, someone who's amazing. So what is umanutoshel adam? What is the artwork, the specialty, the expertise 
of a human being in this world? And the Gemara answers, Yasim atzmo ke'ilim. Let him make himself ke'ilim like a person who is incapable of speech. That is the job of a human being. Now that's wild, because a human being is unique in this world in the fact that he is able to communicate. So why would God give a human being the skill of communication and then tell him that it is job in this world to learn how to shut his trap? How could that be? And the answer, my friends, is that this lesson that umanut, the umanut of a person is to remain silent, is to keep his mouth shut. Where do we learn that from? The Pasuk says, David HaMelech teaches us, Ha'umnam elem. Ha'umnam, umnam can mean however or but. But the way the Gemara is understanding this Pasuk is Ha'umnam elem. Someone who has an umanut, a, uh, a skill, an expertise, someone who's done something uh, which is noteworthy or worthwhile. What is that? Elem. He's quiet. However, the pasuk then says something else because there's an end of that pasuk. You know, they tell a famous story about, uh, <clears throat> about uh, two people. <sighs> they go all the way, you know, to India and they take a vow of silence. You know, how long did you take a vow of silence for? Different people do different vows. But this guy goes hardcore. He's very Hasidic uh, Indian. Uh, you know, uh, uh, a Buddhist. Uh, he's Haredi Buddhist. Ten years, he's not going to speak. After ten years, right, they're offered the chance to say two words. You can imagine how powerful those two words would be after ten years of silence. Anyway, this Jewish guy comes. He sits there for 10 years. You know how difficult it is for a Jewish guy to sit quiet for 10 years? 10 years. After 10 years, the Dalai Lama says, come forward. What do you have to say? What are your two words? And he says, mattress uncomfortable. <laughs> the Dalai Lama looks at him like, that's what you had to say after 10 years. All right. He goes another 10 years. Ten years go by, and it comes time again, and the Dalai Lama says, Fadal, what are your two words? And he said, food inedible. This is what he's got to say after the second set of ten years. A third set of ten years go by. He's finally 30 years in silence, Ada. Right? What He says, you have your two words. The guy says, I quit. The Dalai Lama says, I'm not surprised. You've been complaining since you got here. <laughs> Right? The nature, the nature of, uh, of this concept of vows of silence is not something that is Jewish per se. And let me explain why. The end of that verse is how if a person is, they've mastered the art of silence, but then the Pasuk says, Tzedek Tidaberun. Justice, that which is correct, you must speak, you must say. So we don't believe in this idea of silence. Now you might ask me, I don't know if you've ever heard of something called Ta'anit Dibur. You have a fasting for food, and then there's fasting Ta'anit Dibur, where you fast 
What does that mean, fasting? Where a person doesn't speak. However, a person who has a Ta'ani Dibur, he's supposed to still pray. He's supposed to still study Torah. He's supposed to say, Amen, Baruch Baruch Shemo, you know, Kadosh, Kadosh, Kadosh. The things that he's supposed to say, they don't count. The concept and the artistry of Elem, of silence, is not in remaining silent. It's in figuring out when to be silent. So therefore, says the Gemara, this person, this Mitzorah, why does he bring a korban? Why does he bring a sacrifice of birds? Says Rashi, who pitpet lashon hara? He was chirping lashon hara. Ve'lachen mevi'in tziporim. We bring tziporim birds. Shemepatpetot tamid b'tziftzuf kol. All day long here. I don't know all the bird calls, right? But they're sitting there all day long chirping away. For no specific reason, it seems. For no, at no specific time. Just randomly, chir- chirping, chirping, chirping away. But what we're learning here is more than just the fact that we're telling a person who speaks too much to speak less. We take one bird and it's brought as a sacrifice of Qurban, but the other bird is sent free up in Sadeh. God never intended for human beings to be silent. God intended for human beings to speak. That's why He gave them the power of speech. However, the challenge is in using the the speech in the proper way and not shutting down that mechanism completely. So I wanted to speak just for a minute about this idea of using that mechanism completely. The rabbis tell us, this mitzorah, on the day that he becomes pure, after bringing these birds, he brings them, and he shall be brought to the Kohen. He shall be brought to the Kohen. And it's a magnificent thing. Why, does he brought, why is he brought specifically to the Kohen? Why don't we give him, why don't we give him over to the Chacham, to the Tzadik? Let the Chacham deal with him. Why don't we bring him to the Kohen? And our rabbis tell us something unbelievable. He's coming to the descendants of Aharon HaKohen. Because what do most people say when they say Lashonara? Someone says something, you tell the guy, Ay, you can't speak that way. What does the guy say? I saw my own, it's true. I saw it. I know it's true. He goes, you don't believe me? That's what people say. You don't believe me? Lashonara doesn't mean I don't trust you. Lashonara means you're not supposed to say it unless it's relevant. Don't decide to take matters into your own hands. The guy is saying, but it's true. Now, it's fascinating, this idea. Because actually, actually, this person who's saying, but it's true. I spoke the truth. I'm a man of truth. I want to introduce you to another man of truth. The Pasuk says about Aharon Kohen. Torat emet hayeta befiu. The Torah of truth was in his mouth. Ve'avla lo nimsa besefatav. And there was never any injustice found upon his lips. Torat emet. Now that's a funny thing to say about Aharon Kohen, 
Because we know many things about Aharon HaKohen. But one of the things that we know about Aharon HaKohen is the things that he spoke about. And what was he famous for speaking about? This Aharon HaKohen, who was Ohev Shalom, Virodev Shalom. He ran after peace. He chased after peace. What was he famous for? Anyone know? He was famous for lying. Do you know that? The, the Chachamim explained to us that he would find two, two people who were fighting, husband and wife, uh, brother and sister, you know, uh, parent and child. He would come to the guy and say, you know, I just visited your brother, your friend, your wife. They're crying at home. They can't believe they ever got in a fight with you. They wish they could uh, apologize, but they're too embarrassed. They feel like if only you could take the first step, if you could just come to them, you know, and show them that you were willing, then they would be able to unburden. Then he would go to the other one and say, you don't know, the other guy is crying his eyes out, the guy is so devastated, distraught. All he was doing all day long is telling lies and putting families back together, telling lies and putting couples back together, telling lies and putting partners back together. So how could the Pasuk say, Torat emet hayeta befiu? That emet was in his mouth. Ve'avla, and an injustice lo besifatav. How could it be? And the answer, my friends, is found in a very powerful idea. We are familiar with the concept in Judaism where we say, Chotamo shel hakadosh baruch emet. The seal, they used to have a seal, I don't know if you remember, like back in the day, they would be like a stamp. Now they didn't use ink, what they used was instead they had a, they used wax, and they would take, they would create a stamp, and the stamp would have this, the, this, the person's name, or the stamp would have the person, the business's logo, they would dip it in the wax or in the ink, stamp it at the bottom of a document. You still have it if you go to a notary public You'll see it, they still do it like that with the stamp. You got to get it stamped officially. Chotamo, the seal, the stamp of God is emet. I saw a magnificent idea. Why doesn't it say, why, the, chotam, the seal of God is truth? Why doesn't it say Hashem's uh, password, Hashem's highest value, Hashem loves truth? Why chotamo? Why the, the seal of God is truth? Why? And I saw magnificent understanding. Because when you use a seal, if you look at the seal, you'll notice that the word is actually written backwards. And when you stamp it in the ink and you place it down on the sign, then it comes and prints out forwards. But the chotamo itself is backwards. You know why chotamo shel HaKadosh Baruch Hu emet? Because sometimes the emet is found in exactly the opposite order and exactly the opposite version of what it is that you are looking at and what it is that you are saying. Aharon understood that on a deep level, these people loved one another. There was something getting in the way. So what did he do? He told them the story backwards. This person is desperate to reconcile. They just need you to go first. Meanwhile, it's exactly the opposite. But what was true was that they wanted to reconcile. They needed to see you coming in order to then feel that way 
about, reun about reuniting. They needed to see you make that first step. So what did Aaron do? He presented what was going to happen in the future as if it was the present. That's why it does not say emet ha'ita befiyu. Truth was in his mouth. Rather, Torah emet ha'ita befiyu. The Torah, the study of truth, the instruction of truth, ha'ita befiyu. And then the pasuk qualifies it, quantifies it. Ve'avla lo nimtza besvatav. No injustice was done. Look at the pasuk of David HaMelech. Ha'umnam ilem. It is an artistry to remaining silent, but tzedek tedaberun. Speak justice. We find Akados Baruch in a conversation with Avraham Avinu, also the same thing. What happens? Um, Sarah says, how are we going to have children? I'm old. My husband is old. God comes to Avraham and he says, what's going on here? Sarai Menu, she doesn't think she could have children. She said she's too old. That's not what she said. She said, I'm too old. My husband is too old. God didn't say that part, left that part out. Why? Torah Emet. It is the study of truth. And sometimes what a person means and what they say don't actually, they aren't conflated. In, true, in terms of the truth they're trying to give across. So therefore, in the reiteration or in the communication of that, it reverses its order, but still you communicated what the person was trying to say. My friends, we find in the story of Egypt a very similar concept. The Pasuk tells us that Moshe Rabbeinu, uh, he saw an Egyptian being stri uh, striking a Jewish, one of the slaves. And he saw he was going to kill him. So what does Moshe do? He stands up and he saves this Jewish person from being killed by Egyptian taskmaster. The next day, he sees two Jews fighting. He comes up to them and he says, Rasha, lama takere echa. Why are you hitting the other person? Why are you fighting? What does the guy answer? He says, Halehargeni atta omer. What, do you intend to kill me too? Moshe says, Uli, atayadati. Now I know. Rashi says, now I know? Now you know what? Rashi says, listen to this. Now I know why we're still in Egypt. Now I know why God did not redeem us. Deika dalturin. Because they are tail bearers. They are speakers of Lashon Hara amongst us. Yesterday I saved a Jewish person's life. Now already the sky is saying out in the open, you intend to kill me. Do you intend to kill me like you killed the Egyptian yesterday? Tail bearers. Tattletailers. My friends, we see that the concept of Geula, the concept of redemption, of salvation, is in the hands of a person's ability to not speak Lashon Hara, to make himself ilem, to make himself quiet, but only in the times when he's supposed to do so. When there's things that need to be said, tzedek, to daberun. There a person has an obligation to speak. 
You know, many people say that they always think about the Chafetz Chaim as the guy. He's so careful with his words. He wrote the book literally on Lashon Ara. He must have been the type of person that didn't speak much. You spoke to him. How you doing? Mm. He, don't, he clams up. But actually, those who met the Chafetz Chaim in person testified that he was a, a real personality. He spoke all the time. He was very chatty. I mean, of course, of things of import, you know? But he didn't stop speaking. He was just, even though he spoke, vo- you know, volumes, he made sure that every word that came out was the correct words to come out. In fact, when he first wrote his sefer, he went to the city that he was in, in the city of Lida, and the rabbi of that place was Rabbi Rabbeinu Baruch. Rabbi Baruch was his name. And he came to ask him for a haskama on the sefer, you know, to write in his book an a approbation, to say that the book is correct, that the, you know, the people should read by the book, they should learn the Torah inside of it. And the rabbi refused to give him a haskama. He refused to give it to him. Anyway, okay. The Chafetz Chaim leaves. On the way out of town, who does he meet? He meets the head of the Beit Din. Yeah, he meets the head of the Beit Din. The guy says, uh, he, he, he says, wow, Chafetz Chaim, so nice you're here. You know, what brings you to town? He goes, well, I wrote the book, Chafetz Chaim. I came to get a haskama uh, from the rabbi of the city. And, uh, and he says, well, did he give it to you? He says, no, he didn't give it to me. So he says, well, you know, don't beat yourself up about it. The rabbi is, uh, you know, of the city, he's a very tough character. He, you know, he's a very kanai, he's very, uh, uh, you know, zealous. He doesn't, uh, you know, he doesn't quite like other people, he doesn't trust people. Chafetz Chaim says, please, please stop. Please stop speaking. He goes, no, no, I'm just, I'm just saying that you don't have to feel bad, he didn't give you a thing, because it's not your fault that he's that, just that type of guy. The Chafetz Chaim, again, please stop. It's not, you, you're saying it's not, you're not allowed to say, you can't speak. The Av Beitin smiled. And he said, come with me. And he brought the Chafetz Chaim back. And he says, you know, I asked him if you gave him he said no. And I started saying, maybe the reason is because, you know, and he wouldn't let me get, say one word. Normally, yeah, you, that's what you want to hear from the guy. Yeah, don't worry about you. The guy's a rasha. He treats everyone that way. The worst guy ever. You know, a terrible person. You know, he's very selfish. He only, you know, the only person he likes is himself. That's what you want to hear. But he says that he wouldn't let me speak one word to him. That's how you know. He says, if that's the case, he wrote him a haskama. And I, I always think to myself, this concept, this haumnam ilem, uh, the bird, there's one bird that gets the shechita, but the other bird that is caught, right, the mifatpet, but at the same time is then released. There's so many things that we have to say, we must say. So many words of positivity that must be shared. So many words of caution that we have an obligation to pass over. So many words of building up that are required in the world around us. On the one hand, there's a bird, there's a tzipor that needs to be slaughtered. There's a chatter that needs to be silenced. But then there's another kind of chatter. You know, a kind of chatter that is necessary, that is required. How are you doing, honey? How was your day? Uh, Good morning. What's going on? How did you sleep? Telling your kids what's going on. How are your friends doing? You want to bring them over? How's everything at school? That chatter is literally life-giving. So we take this bird and we release it, so to speak, 
from its place of captivity because there's so many people who are caught, who are trapped, who are unable to fly, who are unable to succeed, who are unable to see their own potential. And what do they need? They need that kind word from you to release them upon the open field, to give them an opportunity to make them feel that they're capable of achieving, of accomplishing. And if we don't say those words to them, and if we never gave them that positive encouragement, then they might die in captivity. They might become or stay the same person that ever they were without ever believing that they, that they could do or that they could become, uh, that they could become this, uh, the person that you, are, that you are speaking about. Bezat Hashem will be zocheh to become powerful forces of good, powerful forces of matir asurim in the world around us. Baruch Adonai Le'olam. Amen v'amen.